So now you have the reigning six man of the year and a six man of the year finalist who are going to be coming off the bench together. That's going to be a disgusting second unit that is going to devastate most teams in the NBA. This is going to be an AD-led team in, in the regular season. But LeBron is obviously going to turn it up in the playoffs. But this is going to be a disgusting team coming in the regular season. You're listening to Season 2 of the Getting Buckets Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at GetBucketPod. We bring the basketball to you. Welcome back to the Getting Buckets Podcast. I'm David. And it's Ethan here. And tomorrow, as we're recording this, is the 2020-2021 NBA season. And I just want to preface this by saying that we started this podcast to kind of introduce the bubble that ended last season. And, you know, considering all the projections about the next season, and considering uh, the whole bubble apparatus, I think there were a lot of question marks going into this season back then. And we didn't know much. And certainly, you know, the coronavirus situation, uh, I expect will complicate things. But as we've seen from other sports leagues, it's possible to have infections and carry on. And I'm just really excited for the potential of a fantastic, you know, basically full-length season. I think it's 72 games. Um, so I think we're just going to dive right in and we're going to start off. So last week we did the preview of the Eastern Conference. And now we're going to look at the Western Conference. And what better way to start this episode than to talk about the defending champions, the LA Lakers. My first question for you, Ethan, are the Lakers the favorites to win the title? I would say so. When you think about it, you know, they obviously won the championship, so they were the best team last year, and in the offseason, they improved the most out of any team. So that, in my opinion, puts them in the driver's seat to be the favorite to win, to repeat. So, you know, the Lakers added Montrezl Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, Marcus Saul, Wesley Matthews, um, who do you think is going to be the biggest addition for them? I would have to say Dennis Schroeder. You know, he was, in my opinion, I thought he should have won six-man of the year last year. And now he's coming to the Lakers. He's not going to be the starting point guard, but he's coming off the bench too, and he's going to be really important. With no, with no Rondo uh, on the team anymore, he's going to have to really control that second unit. And he's a, he's a beast. He's a really good player. You know, also Montrezl Harrell, can't forget about him. He was a beast last year. He actually won six-man of the year. So now you have the reigning six-man of the year and a six-man of the year finalist who are going to be coming off the bench together. That's going to be a disgusting second unit that is going to devastate most teams in the NBA. Um, I agree. I think that, for me, it's, I think it has to be Montrezl Harrell. I also think that Marcus Saul is going to be a very underrated player for them. You know, even seeing these first two preseason games, he's added a level of dynamics to that offense that they simply did not have last year. And while, like, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, you know, Dwight Howard, who's currently in Philadelphia, um, we actually forgot to mention that last week. Um, so, all things considered, I feel like those two guys were better suited for a Frank Vogel kind of team. But I think having someone like Marcus Saul is going to just get many more open looks um, for shooting. And I think it's going to be very terrifying to pair that with a Wes Matthews, who I've said before is like a quintessential, like um, late 2010s, 2020 LeBron James kind of player. 
somebody that is just 3 and D, very reliable, pretty consistent. And uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think the Lakers are the clear favorites. I would be shocked if they didn't win the title this year. Yeah, and when you think about it, you know, AD, now he's got that championship. He's just he's just going to be even better next year. He's going to have that confidence. LeBron, you know, we don't I don't I don't expect him to play that many games this year. Um probably going to play around 50 to 55 games this year. But, you know, So do you think that Anthony Davis could be the MVP candidate? Possibly. But this is going to be an AD led team in in the regular season. But LeBron is obviously going to turn up in the playoffs. But this is going to be a disgusting team coming the re- in the regular season. So I have uh, two more thoughts about this team before I move on. First of all, I don't know if you saw on Twitter that there is a debate about is Anthony Davis a better player than Tim Duncan. Uh, yeah, I, that's how I feel too. I, this is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in my life. Because um, they're saying, oh, look, uh, he like Anthony Davis hit the three to beat the Suns. Like Tim Duncan could never do that. Tim Duncan is has hit game winning three. He actually literally hit a game winning three in OT as a buzzer beater against the Phoenix Suns too. Like yeah. literally, like yeah. literally did that. But aside from that, I mean, Tim Duncan is like. Then AD is a great player, but Tim Duncan was a two time league MVP, five time champion. You know, pump the brakes. You know, AD has a long way to go yeah. before he reaches Tim Duncan's level. Tim Duncan is the greatest power forward to ever play. Yo. He was one Ray Allen shot away from being six and zero in the finals. Think about that. Yeah, that's just it's disgusting. Tim Duncan's a legend, and uh, Tim Duncan he would have been six and one. He would have been six and one. Yeah, right. and uh, you know there's an argument to be made that Tim Duncan is a better player than Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace. Uh, but yeah, I just thought that was extremely disrespectful. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about: What do you think about the Kyle Kuzma three-year, forty million extension? Initially, I saw it and I didn't like it, but I had some. I slept on it a little bit, thought about it. I actually don't think it's that bad for the Lakers. Um, you know, is Kyle Kuzma a little bit overrated? You know, yes. He he's probably, not a little overrated. He's, he's he very is, overrated. But, you know, he did improve his defense in the bubble. He, you know, he's still a, a pretty decent shooter. And this, his contract actually, I think, is, is the first contract in NBA history to give, you know, like an, it's not a max contract to have a player option attached to it. So it's really a two-in-one deal. A two two year deal with a one year, which is a player option, so I think this actually gives the Lakers some flexibility coming in two years from now. You know who knows where LeBron's going to be at, but you know maybe Kyle, they're doing Kyle Kuzma a favor. You know he's going to be twenty eight after this contract's over, and you know even if he plays up to it and thinks he deserves a max contract, he can go somewhere else and go chase the the bag. Even though I don't think he's a max contract player, but I don't think this deal was that bad. What do you think? You know. Now that you mentioned the player option, which I didn't even realize, I, I think that um, it's kind of this whole, like, Le- these LeBron teams, especially since he joined Miami. I think he got this from Miami. It's kind of like, you know, everybody eats. And uh, I guess LeBron feels, and, you know, the other Lakers feel that he contributed in a meaningful way. I didn't see that in the playoffs, personally. I saw someone who's very inconsistent, uh, had just looked lost in the court for most of the finals, was like a liability on defense, just was not shooting super well. Um, but certainly, you know, I know LeBron has a lot of love for Kuzma. I think it's definitely a tradable contract. Um, and I guess we'll, we'll have to see. I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if he got traded. Um, but I really think that the Lakers are, like you said, I really think they're just so stacked that I don't believe they'll need to make any moves. Like, I really just think they are that stacked. And, you know, LeBron is betting on Kuzma being most improved player this year. So I guess we'll have to see about that. I highly doubt it. I think Taylor Horton Tucker is going to take his job which is why I really wasn't too uh, hype about that extension. But, you know, things change, and uh, 
yeah. Anyway, we're going to have to go across the city, uh, same arena. Let's talk about the, uh, the LA Clippers. Yeah, you know, we all saw the huge meltdown they had in the bubble when they were up 3-1, and they threw it away to the Nuggets, obviously. But And I want to start by saying um, a lot of the blame has been put on Paul George. Paul George was on the All the Smoke podcast recently, and he was talking about Doc Rivers, and he said that, you know, Doc Rivers didn't use him the way he wanted to be used. So they have a new coach now in Tyron Lue. Uh, Kenny Atkinson, assistant staff. Uh, let's talk about what they did on the roster. You know, they brought back uh, Reggie Jackson. They still have Pat Bev. They got Luke Kennard. Also a great move. Yeah, I, which I agree. But they also lost Montrezl Harrell to their crosstown rival. They, they got Serge Ibaka. That's also true. I think adding Serge Ibaka too was, uh, you know, softens the blow. But fundamentally speaking, do you think the Clippers will be as good as they were last year? Roster-wise, I think they slightly improved, but really, even without Montrez Harrell, they improved. I, I think it's it will be easier to play Serge Ibaka down the stretch than it would than it would have been with Montrez Harrell. He can't guard anybody, and I uh, think that's some recency bias in there too, though. Because you could say that so Paul George can't Ibaka, shoot from the from the that playoff series with the Nuggets. Well, but that Paul George has always been ass in the playoffs, though. But in the regular season, he always. Puts it together, so it's a real question with Paul George: Is can he do it in the playoffs? That's the real question with Paul George. But roster-wise, I think they slightly improved. But coaching, Tyloo is the worst coach. coach in the NBA. Yeah, he's not a coach. He's not a coach. He's I a mean, hype man. On the other hand, consider it this way: in a way, they do need a player like that because, from what I've read um, from the insiders, the Clippers insiders, there's a lot of ego balancing. A lot of people are mad about Kawhi, as Jordan has mentioned when he's been on the podcast, that you know Kawhi basically decides when he takes off, when he rests. You know, oh, if he doesn't want to, I think he lives in San Diego, and if he doesn't want to come in from San Diego, he makes a mess and stuff like that. And certainly, I mean, Paul George has always been kind of a diva. So, in that sense, I think Tyloo, one of his strengths is that he really is this kind of like player coach. Um, but I agree with you. I think in terms of tactics, he's he's not shown anything that's uh, been remotely inspiring. Yeah, and also, you know, you mentioned those Paul George comments. You know, Ty Lue is not an X's and O's guy. And I don't see Ty Lue using George, um, Paul George any differently than the way Doc Rivers did. You know, well, Ty also, Lue, I think he was Ty just Lue wrong. was an assistant. And, you know... He said that, 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 he, said that he was taking spot-up shooting and, like, they didn't adapt in the playoffs. I didn't see that. Like Doc Rivers, it's not his fault that Paul George shot four I think, for seventeen. I think accountability should go both, you know, both ways. You know, Doc Rivers, he is he a did coach fail to that adjust. Absolutely, he doesn't make adjustments. Uh, you know, there's fault to go on all sides. But you know, Doc Rivers can't control Paul George being the side of the backboard in the fourth quarter. He went four for seventeen. So no, seven. I agree. Also, I have a question for you. So we know Paul George signed four years, one hundred ninety million. Kawhi has yet to sign an extension. In my in my eyes, that's a bad sign. I think it's a terrible sign. So it seems like, as of right now, Kawhi's gonna if they don't win a chip this year, Kawhi's gonna jump ship because he has a player option out of this year, and you got Paul George locked up for the next what four years now. So, what do you think that means for the Clippers this coming year? Well, it means that they they need to do what they were expected to do, which is actually compete with the Lakers, and we saw glimpses of that in the bubble for sure, and even during the regular season last year. But we didn't see that in the playoffs. 
I mean, uh, the Nuggets were a very good team, but the Lakers took care of business. They, yeah, and the Clippers didn't. And that's simply the reality of the situation. Um, and, you know, I just think it's really funny. I mean, you just see that with the Lakers, their crosstown rivals, there's a lot more structure, ironically. Um, the Clippers, on average, have been the better team in uh, the 2010s. But going into this next decade, I think that they may really struggle to find their, their footing because this is as good of an opportunity as they'll ever have to go to the finals and they have like two bona fide superstars paul george two years ago was an mvp candidate he top, was a deep boy three. candidate uh i don't even need to say anything about Kawhi leonard who's just like a absolute robot like just a machine again we didn't see that last year in the playoffs but we can chalk it up to saying that the bubble was just a weird environment if they don't do anything this season i definitely think that Kawhi could leave he might even go back to toronto where they suddenly have space for him and we all know he really liked it in Toronto. Um, or he may even return to San Antonio. I mean, there's so many moves. There's so many teams that, that will have a place for him and for his talents. Uh, so I think this is definitely a win-now kind of season, which is unfortunate because I really think that the Lakers have just taken such a huge step. And, you know, as Matt said, the rich get richer. And we see that in play right now. So I think the Clippers are going to be the most interesting team to pay attention to in the West because they could full-on implode midway through the season if the results aren't where they should be you know if, if you see them as a fifth or sixth seed you know don't uh don't hold your breath about anything is what all i'd say yeah i mean i 100 percent agree with you you know especially looking at what the clippers gave up to get paul george and Kawhi, they have really completely gave up their future for banking on a chip you know if they win a chip it's all going to be worth it but you know they have to win because if they don't win, it seems like Kawhi is not intent on staying on this team after this year if they don't win. So they really are going to have to try their hardest to compete for a chip. Right, and, and you know, at the end of the day, I think they can. You know, I, I would just be willing to say that last year was a fluke. We all know Kawhi is an incredibly clutch player. Uh, he completely froze in the playoffs. I, I think the Nuggets made some fantastic adjustments on him. But even still, he just wasn't taking the shots he needed to take. And I just think that, you know... Being reverse swept is, is just uh, it's a miserable feeling for anybody in any sport or even like any time you're playing a game or whatever because you, you freeze up, you, you just choke. It's, it's tough to regain that momentum. So, you know, hopefully they won't be in that situation again. But at the end of the day, like, like you said, you know, like great teams win at the end of the day. Let's look at, uh, let's look at Denver, which upset the Clippers. Uh, what do you think the Nuggets are going to do this season? They haven't really changed much. They did lose Jeremy Grant. Um, which does signal that Michael Porter Jr. will be having a slightly bigger role on the team. So what do you think the Nuggets are going to look like? I'm not sure because they they they, def they did not improve in the offseason. They definitely got worse. So, you know, Michael Porter Jr., they're going to have to rely on him a lot. He's going to put up a lot of numbers on offense, but as we saw last year, his defense is atrocious. So I'm... They do have Gary Harris, who's a great defender. Jamal Murray, I don't think he's a great defender either, but I think he's okay. You know, I'm not really sure what we're going to see from the Nuggets. I'm pretty sure they're going to be a top four seed in the West. I'm willing to bet that they will I go. Can't, I can't feel like last year was not a fluke year. I, I feel like it was should have been a Lakers-Clippers in the West Conference Finals, and I think that's what we're going to see this year. I don't know why you think it was a fluke, though, because I the Nuggets just ended up being the tougher team. They were always good last year. They have a very they good were core. Good, but they the, have a solid bench. The Clippers were a better team. 
They were they were one of the most talented teams in the NBA last year. Even still, I mean, away. you you could look at I like. Do you think that the Heat were a fluke last year? No, I think they they the, the Clippers um were not tough enough. They did not have the mental toughness as a team. They were soft in a way that the Nuggets simply weren't. You know, Nikola Jokic was he completely murdered Montrezl Harrell, completely murdered him, and um, I would not be surprised if they went back to the Western Conference Finals. I really would not be surprised. I look at all the teams in the league this but, year. I think, realistically speaking, if we're talking about talent, it's going to be Lakers, Clippers, number one, two, and then I think you're going to have the Nuggets in number three. Practically speaking, I, though, I think the Blazers are better than the Nuggets this year. You know, I, the Nuggets. Listen, when you're in the Western Conference, when you know most, I think every single team improved in the West, and the Nuggets didn't. That puts them in a bad spot. So you know. We're gonna see is Jokic gonna you know play well the whole year because usually there's a month in every year where he as I've learned plays fantasy really basketball, badly. Yeah, as I've learned. So we're gonna have to. I don't know what we're gonna get. You know the the Nuggets went pretty deep in the playoffs. You know they might be tired. I don't know what we're gonna get from the Nuggets. You know I I do think they're going to be a top four seed in the West, but but my counterpoint is I don't really think the onus is on them to improve too much because again at the end of the day their their core was very young. Mike Malone, there is a case to be made that he is the best coach. In the Western Conference, I like. I think that um, did he win Coach of the Year last year? No, Billy Donovan. Right. Did. Well, I think, uh, yeah, but he was a finalist, and I remember thinking, like, how did this guy not win a Coach of the Year yet? I don't yet? think he was a finalist either. But well, I, I yeah, think he's one. He's one in the past, though. I think he's he's one of the best coaches in the league, without a doubt. And he definitely is. And um, right. Yeah, I definitely think that that yes, they didn't improve. I think losing Jeremy Grant will hurt them. Um, and they lost Mason Plumby too, who was good for them last year as well. I love Mason Plumby. So they they didn't they got worse in the offseason, and that puts them in a rough spot, considering that every single team in the West improved. So not were Rockets improved. Other than the Rockets, every other team. Mavericks improved, losing Josh Richardson. Most most well the, the let's say the. I'm oh, sorry, we're losing Steph Seth Curry. So the the Mavs also didn't improve. But most, almost every team in the West did. That's right. That's my point. That's fair. I mean, certainly, I think the Lakers and Clippers, like the Lakers, got a steroid. They really got a steroid, and the, I, th- I, I don't agree that the Clippers got better, but I think that um, it, it, like, it was kind of addition by subtraction. I think that there is going to be more space for them, and um, I actually think Luke Kennard is a fantastic pickup for the Clippers. So you're saying Nuggets would be top four seed, and like Western Conference semis gone. I think they'll be out in the second round. And you know, I love Jokic. I'm a huge fan of Jokic. He's the best center of the NBA right now. But you know, I I have a feeling we're gonna see Lakers Clippers in the in the Western Conference Finals this year. Safe bet for sure. Let's move on. Let's go uh, down in Texas. Go to Houston. Russell Westbrook is gone from Houston, and there is of course a huge elephant in the room that James Harden is going to be gone at some point during the season, possibly by a trade trade deadline, which I think will be in, like, February. So how much do you think that's going to hurt the locker room during the season? How do you think that's going to impact their success? The Rockets are a dumpster fire right now. There's there's no denying that. They got a lot worse in the offseason. You know, they lost to Westbrook for John Wall, which even in their primes is a downgrade. And we, I don't know what we're going to be seeing from John Wall, even though he looked very good in the preseason. Just we don't know how it's going to go for a whole, a full, a mostly full season. Same thing with DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, Boogie's he looks good to now too, but Boogie's not the kind of player you need to put around Harden either. 
And I think just the, it, it just looks like they're waiting for the right offer with James Harden. Yeah, and you know, there's no way Harden's going to be there. At, there's no way he's going to be there at the end of this year. There's no way. So he's going to be gone. You know, was the, the best deal off the table right now was what Ben Simmons that fit makes makes no sense. For yeah, Houston. Ben Simmons and John Wall would be. I just awful. don't understand. Like the Rockets, they got a lot worse. They lost Robert Covington too. They lost Clint Capella last year. So. They're in a really tough spot. They, if James, depending on when where where James Harden goes or when he leaves the team, if he leaves early on and the team and John Wall and Marcus Cousins aren't playing as well as people thought they would, this team can miss the could easily miss the playoffs. You think, let's say Harden is traded before the deadline, do you think that they will still be a playoff team with Wall and Cousins and the array of shooters that they have? They have Christian Wood, who's also looked pretty good too. No, I think most likely if Harden is gone, they'll probably be you know a seven or eight seed. But I don't know. There's definitely chances it's they a can close call. It's, it, it's going to be close. Seven, I mean, eight, nine, ten is a that's all. It's game. all in the playing, right? Yeah, so yeah. they all have. Uh, they will probably be in the playing at the very at the very least. They'll be in the playing, uh, but this is really bad even for the future. You know, I don't think they have a future. I think that they're they're headed for a rebuild in a few years. It just makes sense because. Tillman Fertitta is a horrible owner. Seems like he's a cheapskate. Apparently, he doesn't even have enough money to really afford the team. Um, and, you know, Daryl Morey, the the architect, uh, in a way, the architect of, of, you know, modern offenses in the NBA. And you cannot give him enough credit, um, you know, just for he, he helped revolutionize the NBA over the last 15 years. Um, he's in Philly now. He's creating Rockets East in Philly. So, I agree with you. I think that they're a highly volatile team. You know, with the Clippers, it's going to be interesting to see where they end up. But I think they're they're they are a lock for the playoffs. And with the Rockets, it's I I think that the the team right now is just very awkward. I can't really see the bigger picture. They also lost Mike D'Antoni, you know, who was the face of the Rockets, um, and you know the the mind of the Rockets for you know the greater part of the last decade. So I think that you know the Rockets have kind of been a revolving door for James Harden since he got there. You know, they've had. So many shooters, so many good players around him. Like, even when they had like Jeremy Lin and Chandler Parsons, like they just they've put so many people around Harden, and it just hasn't worked. So I think you know now that Daryl Morey is gone, I think the writing is on the wall for James Harden. I don't know if it's going to be you know middle of the season, end of the season, but I I don't expect that he will be a member of the Rockets by next year. And I think that you know regardless of what happens this season, I don't think they're going to make any serious noise in the playoffs, and I think they are headed for a rebuild. But. Uh... Before we move on, I want to ask who you think is going to have a better comeback this year, John Wall or Boogie? Oh, Boogie, absolutely. He looks great. And uh, well, look, here's the thing. I'm a big Boogie Cousins fan, and I just think that he hasn't had the right place. And I think that the fact that this team doesn't have very high expectations, like unlike the Lakers and the Warriors, I think will be good for him. Because I think it's going to be easier for him to find playing time, and it's going to be easier for him to just, you know, take that step. I don't think he's ever going to be the 27 and 15 player that he was, you know, undisputed best center in the NBA. I don't think he's ever going to be that again. Um, having said that, you know, John Wall really mangled his leg too. John Wall looks good, but he does look slower. And I saw, I saw he had a lot of most of his quickness back in the preseason. But you know, I have to side with Boogie Cousins too, just on the fact that John Wall really is a player that uses athleticism so much and. He had two gruesome leg injuries back-to-back, so I might have to side with Boogie Cousins as well. You know, while we're talking about Texas, you know, let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks. Um, first question, 
Do you think that Luca is an MVP candidate going into the season? I already said I think he's going to win. I really? think he will win the MVP this year. He's just going to get better. He averaged 29-9-8 last year in his second year. If he averages like a triple-double... He easily could. I mean, yeah. that's where that's where he's headed. 30-point triple-double? Is, is, is anybody really going to count him out? No, I mean, I think the Mavericks, he, if, you know, if they're a top, a top five seed in the West, and, you know, he's playing really well without Porzingis for most of the year, that's easily... That's easily going to be an MVP favorite in my in my books. Well, I think with the Mavericks, a big question mark is Kristaps Porzingis. It's a huge question mark. His health is a huge question mark. Because yeah. we saw when he was on the floor for them, even in the bubble, that they were basically a completely different team. And but they were a very a beast team. Yeah, we I mean we got glimpses of that, and it is really beautiful. It is really beautiful. It's it's you know it's a similar synergy that LeBron and AZ kind of have, but you know it's different flair, different team around them, younger. Uh, Luca is hungry. There, I think there are very few players in the league with the kind of tenacity and the hunger that he has just to win. And you know, I really want to see the Mavericks at the top of the West at some point because I really think Luca Luca's already a top five player in the league. Uh, he's very slept on. I don't, I don't know about top five. I think he's top I think ten. He's, I think by this season he will undisputably be a top five player at the end of the season. You know, he's still so young. He still has so much to learn, and he's already he's already such a fantastic player. Um, we also need to talk about Dwight Powell because they really missed him last year. Mm-hmm. So, do you th- what do you think the Mavericks are going to be doing? In the do you think they'll be a top four team? Probably not. But hey, you know, if Luca balls out and he put, does put them in the top four seat, that would, which is definitely possible. Um, for me, I think just the Chris Apps, if Chris Apps is consistently there, I think they will probably be the fourth seed. Um, and you know, they they may be better than the Nuggets in that case. I just think that you know. I'm just not sure how consistent they're going to be. Uh, and certainly losing Seth Curry really hurts them. Seth but Curry is a very good shooter. Getting Josh Richardson, I think, was good for them because, you know, he didn't shoot the ball great last year, but in Miami he shot like around 38% right. from three. And he's a very good defender. And the Mavs had a historic offense last year and also a, really, ba- bad. a really bad defense yeah. too. So he's going to improve their defense. I mean, he's usually going to guard your best player. So... I think that improved their team. I think it was a good trade for both teams. Moving on, looking at the Blazers, you said that they're going to be that they're better than the Nuggets right now. So would you say that they are a top four contender in the West right now? I think they're the third best team in the West right now. I would even say that they might be better than the Clippers. But possible. I don't think that they will beat the Clippers in the regular season, but I do think talent wise, getting Robert Covington was huge for them. Because he's the exact kind of, I think this is what Jordan said, he's the exact kind of, or maybe it was Matt, but he's the exact kind of player that they wanted Melo to be last season. And Melo obviously found his own role, hit some huge shots, and Melo hasn't really slowed down like people expected him to. You know, he's he's kind of bit the bullet, he's accepted that he well, he is what he is at this stage in his career. Obviously he's not performing, you know, he was the same draft class as, as LeBron, but he's a bit older, so the age is showing. But he's found a role. But I think Robert Covington, he really is going to be the kind of guy that they want Melo to be. You know, plays hard on defense, hits huge shots, spaces the floor. Uh, it can't be bad for them at all. Certainly, you know, having a healthy Rodney Hood, uh, having C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard back. Uh, Nurkic is going to be healthy this year, Zach Collins. And Melo is going to be coming off the bench, too. So, you know, that, that's going to be a very good team. You know, what's concerning about the Blazers is they still do not have a lot of point guard depth behind um Damian Lillard, they're banking on Anthony Simmons, you know, and he's been okay, uh, a little shaky, 
in at most times and has. But he's also moments. he's like that's really young too. too. He's a very young player, but I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be good this year. They also have Gary Trent Jr., who's been a beast for them in the right, bubble in the last bubble year, too, and even in the preseason too. So, the Blazers are gonna be a very good team next year. I think they're also they're they're historically, they're always a consistent team. I just uh, I'm I'm really very excited to see what they do because you know. I just remember, like I think it was two years ago or three years ago that they were in the Western Conference Finals against the, the Warriors. You know, having a lead in every single game. Like they, they, they're they're a really good team. They were really good back then. They really have not slowed down since then. I'm so happy the Nurkic is back, and yeah, I think that they realistically they're easily a top four team in the league, and I think that they're they're going to be kind of a sleeper team in the in the West. I would say they are the sleeper team in the West. I would not be surprised if they end up in the Western Conference Finals. Do I see them upsetting the Lakers? No, not at all. But you know, if something happens to the Lakers midseason, you know, don't count out the Blazers. I think that they're they're tougher and more consistent than. Uh, well, also keep in mind that they had a historically bad explosion. Like they imploded at the start of last season. They never really recovered from the momentum loss. You know, they did pick it up in the end, but they they really did implode. So it was mainly due to injuries. Yeah. So um, next that we have to look at is uh, Utah Jazz. They just gave Rudy Gobert a huge extension, two hundred five million. What are your thoughts on that, by the way? I never asked you. When you're a team like Utah, and you're a small market team, it's harder for you to kind of get those kind of star players. So Rudy Gobert, obviously, you know he's Defensive Player of the Year. He's, he just comes up huge for them. Uh, even though like the his kind of play style is sort of dying in the NBA, um, I just think that they didn't really have a choice. As for Don, Donovan Mitchell, is a no no brainer. You know he's, he's a very good player. He, again, you pay your stars at the end of the day, and Rudy Gobert is a star for them. So I'm not really surprised. Is it a good deal? I don't think so because you know he can't shoot at the end of the day, and like his play style is on the way out. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, you pay your stars, and I guess we'll have to just wait and see. I don't really. I see the problem with this Jazz is that I just think that they haven't really clicked. In the way that people had hoped they would, and the the West looks more stacked than ever, at least at the top. So I just don't see a place for them to really make a splash in the playoffs. I thought it was a horrible, a horrible contract. Yes, he's a very good player, but giving Rudy Gobert forty million, forty one million dollars a year is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Even as a defensive player of the year, ridiculous. He is a good paint defender, but perimeter defender, he's trash. Pick and roll defender, he's trash. He's not trash. Pick and roll, pretty bad. So, like Rudy Gobert, obviously, probably you know, Utah's not gonna acquire a lot of free agents, but like, what were they thinking? You know, and I saw some reports. Rudy Gobert was saying, "Oh yeah, I wanted to benefit my team by not taking the Supermax. I left twenty million on the table. That's really? nothing. <laughs> really, four million dollars a year. That's nothing. Really, you benefited your team. He just hamstrung his team." How are they going to be able to improve their roster when you have Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell making nearly four, making four hundred million between themselves, and you got Mike Conley too? His terrible contract. They won't be able to add anybody to their team. Maybe like a role player or something. Right, and the, the like other thing about Donovan, there's no more room to improve for the, this team. And talking about not more, much more room for improvement, how much better is Donovan Mitchell really going to get? I think he can. There's. I think he's he's young. He can always get better, but. Like, Rudy Gobert is not the type of player that can carry a, carry a franchise. Well, also, the, really what I wanted to say is that Rudy Gobert, I think, has hit his ceiling. 
Yeah, I'm he, not sure he's gonna get much better. That's kind of the problem with the, with a contract like that. I at the end of the day, you have to pay your stars. So I don't really blame them. I don't really fault them for it at all. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's the best extension at all, and and certainly um, I don't think they're ever going to be a legit finals contender. Um, Me either. I think there's going to be a mid playoff team. Kind of like the Suns were a few years ago, you know, the last years of the Nash era. Um, you know, you just you make the playoffs, you get bounced out, just rinse, repeat, and, and then they're gonna have to blow it up at some you know, point. No, towards the end of this deal, when Rudy Gobert is in his like 33, like that contract is gonna look pretty bad. Like I don't know what we're gonna see from Rudy Gobert in five, four years from now. So I just really wasn't a huge fan of the contract. You know, if I was the Jazz, I would have offered him. Still, I'm a max player. I wouldn't have offered him. 200 I would have offered him or just extend for a lot less not as long yeah I mean, but I, also what is this send? the other thing is you know at the end of the day what is the message you sent to Gobert if you you know he's been with the Jazz you got a jump shot bro I mean come on shoot like he especially a big of his play style can't carry teams in anymore he needs players around him to be good so you know in a couple of years if the team is really bad the contract's gonna look even worse so I don't know. I just wasn't a big fan of the, of the contract. You know, I, I mentioned the Suns before, and I also think we need to take a look at them because, um, you know, I think adding Chris Paul, adding Jay Crowder, adding Etwan Moore, returning Saric, who, you know, went from a draft bust to actually a, a very decent player in his own right. Um, do you think that they're going to be a playoff team? Definitely. Definitely will be a playoff team. Uh, Chris Paul, we saw what he did last year to – Oklahoma City roster that nobody had any faith in. They thought it was going to be trash, and they were tied for the Rockets with the fourth seed and almost beat them. They were one possession away from beating them in the first round, so they could have been playing the Lakers in the second round of the playoffs. I also think we need to look at DeAndre Aiden because I think DeAndre Aiden has a ton of potential, and I already was seeing in the preseason, this was just a preseason game, and Chris Paul was like going at DeAndre Aiden and saying, like, you're, you're, you're playing dumb, you're not getting my passes. Um, I think it was after, like, DeAndre Aiden made a boneheaded thing on defense where he was just very, like, aggressive on Gobert for some reason. Like, I think he, like, pushed him really hard. And then Chris Paul, like, later in the game was just, like, jawing at him. Like, like bro, what are you doing? Like, literally, what are you doing? Uh, and I think that's going to be really good because it's a veteran experience that he needs that, like, the Suns simply haven't had. Uh, like, Devin Booker is, like, the the veteran on that team. He's ice cold. Uh, I don't think he's going to become, like, an MVP candidate or anything. Um, but I think that, you know, this, this could be the season where the Suns, they finally make it to the playoffs. And, you know, we were talking about this in an earlier episode of the podcast that like when you're a team like the Suns, you've been bad for so long, you making the playoffs is going to just be a huge step for them because the Suns, as you remember, they really were like a dominant force. They were like what the Rockets are now. They never made it to the finals, but they, they were like a, a very serious team to beat. And I think they can be that again. I mean, keep in mind, Robert Sarver, one of the, simply one of the worst owners in professional sports. Um, but they are looking better, and I think uh, I agree with you. I think they will be a playoff team. I think also like adding Jay Crowder is just a great move. Adding Etwan Ward is a great move. Like those are just like NBA quality players. Um, and Jay you know, Crowder was lights out from three last year. And you know Monty Williams, one of the best coaches right. in the NBA right now. So Monty Williams, uh, he's a, just a high character guy. He's always been a very good underrated coach. Uh, and yeah, I I really think that we will see them in the playoffs. Talking about potential playoff teams, I think we also need to look at the Warriors, who, you know, a couple months ago, I thought that this is going to be the, the season for the Warriors. This is going to be the season that they're going to 
you know, add James Wiseman or Anthony Edwards and, you know, get uh, get their boy Clay Thompson back and they're just going to have, like, an unbelievable starting five. And that's not what we're actually going to see because Clay Thompson hurt himself again, which is really sad. Clay is one of my favorite players in the entire league right now, um, has been for a while. What do you think is the ceiling for the Warriors? You know, they did get James Wiseman, you know, who's one of the most, like, acclaimed draft prospects in a very long time, especially at the center position. Um, not since Embiid, I don't think has there been that much, this much hype around somebody. Uh, certainly he had his whole issues in Memphis, but uh, it's going to be very exciting to see him on the floor. But, you know, their starting five right now is Stephen Curry, Kelly Oubre Jr., Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and James Wiseman. Uh, and no really no sense of bench at all. Um, Steph Curry looks fantastic in preseason. He looks really good. He, he he looks like he's going to have like an MVP level season. I really do think that that isn't the books for him. But um, how much do you think the Clay Thompson loss is going to hurt them? It's a huge loss. It's a huge loss. But you know the Warriors. I think they did a good job in picking up Kelly Oubre. He's a good player. He's obviously not as good as Clay Thompson, but him and him and Andrew Wiggins are going to be relied upon to to make up for what they lost in Clay Thompson. Andrew Wiggins has been a walking like question he, mark. He's been a question mark his whole career so far. But what I've been seeing in the preseason, he looks like he put on a lot of muscle. He looks like he's trying to take it seriously now. I think he's in a much better place in Minnesota too. Yeah. I, I simply think he's in a much better situation than, sure. than Minnesota. Um, so I, I, we'll talk about Minnesota shortly, but I think that uh, I think the, the scenery change could be good for him. Uh, you know, and yeah, he does look good right now. I think he was like, he shot perfectly from the floor. One of the games that he played, um, it, obviously it's very early, but I agree with you. I think that Kelly Oubre was a fantastic pickup. He was, you know, he was kind of the linchpin for the offense, uh, for the Phoenix Suns last year, aside from Devin Booker. I think he was just such a huge part of, of their identity and such a huge factor in their offense and defense that, uh, He's going to be a great addition given the circumstances. Uh, what do you think about James Wiseman in terms of fit? Well, as I, we talked about with PG on the draft analyst, he's a project. I don't really know what we're going to see from Wiseman. You know, he only played like three games in college, and then he didn't play anymore because he became ineligible. So I don't really know what we're going to see, see from Wiseman. But I do know that uh, Steph Curry is going to play lights out. He's going to be a beast. Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins appear that they're going to have very good seasons too. And maybe we'll see a bounce back here from Draymond Green. So this team has the potential to surprise a lot of people in the West. I don't see them as anything more than a nine seed though, honestly. Nine? That's, I don't, that's, that's way too low. I just don't I, so I don't see them being better than the Suns. I don't see them being better than the Jazz. I don't see them being better than the Blazers. I don't I think, see them being better than the Mavs. I don't see them being better than the Rockets, Nuggets, Lakers, Clippers. That's nine. I just don't see any world. So I just don't see any world where they're going to be better. I think they could easily be a top eight. Seed. And we also need to easily. consider there's still Memphis and New Orleans. Who, you know, New Orleans has a ton of talent. Uh, they did not put it together. Uh, actually, we're going to talk about New Orleans in a second. But there's also Memphis, who was they were actually an IFC last year. I don't see how they're going to be much uh, much worse. So. I think if not for losing Clay Thompson, I think they'd be closer to four or five. But I really think that there's a chance that they'll miss the playoffs again, even with even if Steph Curry has like a Olympian level, uh, you know, just a Herculean level season where he averages like thirty and just 50, 40, 90 and all of that. Um, also, Draymond Green got exposed when he was alone. He was garbage. He was garbage. He contributed nearly nothing. Um, it's very clear that 
his talents fit a very specific kind of team with very specific players around them. And guess what? They don't have KD anymore. They don't have Klay Thompson for this season. Uh, who knows? Steph Curry has his own injury history too. So I, I think that they are a pretty volatile team. And again, I just don't see... The, I don't think that they're better than any of the other teams you've listed so far. So for me, I think they're probably going to be in ninth seed at best. I do think this team will, will definitely will, will make the playoffs probably as a 7th or 8th seed. But, you know, I feel like if they're clicking and, you know, Steph Curry is playing on an insane level, maybe they get... Andrew Wiggins, who's uh, going to be playing really well, Kelly Oubre. I think this team could actually surprise some people in the Western Conference. You know, and mentioning the Pelicans, you know that this is a kind of a, a really a team that should have, by all predictions, should have made the playoffs last year. And you know, uh, Zion has just not been the player that people expected. Um, That's really due to injury, right? But nonetheless, even when he came back in the bubble, he was just slow. Uh, he just wasn't able to. Uh, he just wasn't able to make the impact that people are expecting of him. You know, the most hyped draft prospect of the last, like since LeBron James. And uh, he's just, he's been, he's certainly not average. He's a very good player, but he's not what they need right now. You know, Brandon Ingram is, is the star of that team. He just signed five years, 158 million extension last month. And um, what do you, first of all, I want to ask, what do you think about that deal? Uh, second of all, they added Steven Adams. So I want you to speak about that, and then um, I guess we'll go from there. Well, signing a Brandon Ingram to that deal, definitely a good deal to get him locked up. He's a very insanely good player. Uh, definitely got to get him. He had a really good year last year. So I mean, that, we were debating whether he's better than Chris Middleton or something last year, I remember. Yeah, and, I mean, is that really an argument? <laughs> but he definitely, I mean, he definitely is, but not to stay on that too much. Um Definitely a good move for them. He was a beast last year, and he's going to be a very important piece for them this year, as opposed to Steven Adams. But he is making thirty-two mil a year. That is like there. There's some expectations that come with that. Well, he's, I think he's going to deliver. I mean, he's uh, finally found his stride. He averaged like twenty-five a game last year. Twenty-five, like seven and uh, and like four. Like he had a, been a really good right. year last year. So I just want to say that um, before you talk about Steven Adams, I think that. Um, his chemistry with Zion Williamson could make or break uh, that team because beside the bubble too, I know it's a short sample size. And it wasn't too great, yeah, but they're gonna have to just play more games together. So now going to the Stephen Adams signing, you know, that was kind of a little bit confusing to me. Stephen Adams doesn't shoot jump shots, and we want Zion to be dunking on everybody. He's gonna need a lot of a, a lot of space. So I'm a little bit perplexed by the Stephen Adams signing, but I. I do think that it definitely isn't a bad thing that they signed him. He's a good veteran. He's a very good rebounder. He's a very good player. Um, but I was a, it was a little bit of a confusing signing for me. Now, Zion, I think he's going to, depending on his health, that really is the question here. That will um, determine how good he's going to be and how far he can carry this team. But, but again, in my opinion, I don't think this team is going to make the playoff. I don't think they're making that. I don't think they will be a playoff. I team think either. Memphis. I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think though. it'll be a lot of fun to watch. They're definitely going to be in the play-in. I think Alonzo's. I don't have, think the Pelicans will even make the play-in. I, I mean, think they'll make the dude. They'll definitely make the play-in. How are they going to make the so? So what do you think about you know all these teams you've listed before? I mean, would you th you, you think the Suns are going to make the playoffs? I don't see any world where the Suns make the playoffs, and the Warriors make it too, dude. The Suns can easily make the playoffs. What with the mean? Warriors and with the Pelicans? No, the I don't think the Pelicans will make the playoffs. So you, I don't even think they can make the plan. The plan is... is, 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 is ninth seed. 
right? This is team number 10 that we're talking about. I just don't... They have the potential to make the play-in is what I meant to say. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It, it really all depends on... It really all depends on Zion, but again, I, I think it's very no, likely... Like the, 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 the reality in the West is that you're going to have some good teams miss the playoffs. There's also, like, the walking 5-5-5, Lonzo Ball, who, like, he had made so many improvements, and then it seemed like it all just disappeared in the bubble, which, of course, limited sample size, but I think there is a lot that people are going to be expecting from him, especially because, you know, you look at uh, the trade that they made, uh, Eric Bledsoe for Drew Holiday, sending Drew Holiday to the Bucks in exchange for um, mainly Eric Bledsoe. Um, talking about that, I don't think that Eric Bledsoe is an improvement over Drew Holiday at no, all. Drew Holiday is like one of the best defensive point guards. Definitely not. Eric Bledsoe is a, a very good defender too, though. But, but I, I just think it, that... It's definitely a downgrade. I agree. Drew Holiday was like, is like has been criminally underrated since he left... Uh, Philadelphia, um, just like one of the coldest players in the league, and uh, I think that it's going to hurt them. I think it also means that there's a higher expectation on Lonzo Ball, who, by the way, as of today, is going to be a restricted free agent end of his contract. He did not sign an extension. Um, given the fact that he's represented by Rich Paul, I would not be surprised to see him back in L.A. In, I would. Uh, at the end of the deal. But um, I think that is going to hurt them. Okay, Um we're almost done. Next five teams, I think, really have no... Except maybe Memphis. I think they just have no chance of anything in the playoffs. So, look, the Western Conference is as deep as, as it's ever been. Even Minnesota, a team which has DeAndre Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards, is probably going to miss the playoffs. So, I think... I don't, a lot have, of, a, I don't have a lot of expectations yeah. in Minnesota. I think I, they're going to be pretty bad. And I also think that... Um, let's start with Minnesota then, because I think with Minnesota, they still got a lot of nobodies on their roster. I mean... Um, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns alone. It's going to be a lot of offense. It's also going to be like zero defense. And uh, first of all, just shout out Carl Anthony Towns. He lost, I think, seven family members to coronavirus, and including his mom. I I wouldn't be surprised. It's a very emotional season for him. A tough season to navigate. Um, and you know, looking at Minnesota, I just. I just don't see how they're going to be good enough on defense to to make the playoffs. I think they're just going to give up too much, and I think that is going to raise some question marks about Carl Anthony Towns, who at one point was considered basically the premier center in the Western Conference, or the premier big man, I should say, because he does play power forward sometimes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that, that that could change a lot of things about them. And you, of course, D'Angelo Russell is basically a max contract. Uh, Anthony Edwards, you know, is the number one overall pick. There's high expectations for him, and yet I still think they're not even going to sniff the playoffs. I mean, either. Uh, you look at a team like Oklahoma City, who basically had a fire sale. Um, yeah, they're 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 uh, not going to be a good team next year. And you know, we were talking about how you know uh, the Clippers gave up their future to to Sam Presti, and they do have very good players. They have a good core, but you know, it is a future. I I, I don't think you know Chris Paul really improved them a ton. I think losing Chris Paul and Steve Adams alone, I just don't see how they're going to be. And Schroeder, too, and yeah, Gallinari. And, and Schroeder and Gallinari, so I was going to say. They're not going to be a very good team. Yeah, I think that they, they may they may be the worst team. In, they may be the worst team in the West uh, this season. Uh, Sacramento, I, I you know De'Aaron Fox is a great player. They did lose Bogdanovich, so they got worse. They also just weren't very good from the get-go. They were just really not an inspiring yeah, team. Yeah, you know, Luke Walton, sorry. Not not really a good coach. Honestly, I should have I, never fired David Yeager when he was like two games out of making the eighth seed. Well, they should have never fired. They had Mike Malone as a coach, I think. Uh, they they should have never fired him. <laughs> if you really want to go there, they should have never traded DeMarcus Cousins. I think the Sacramento's just been a disaster team. I hope they get relocated. 
Um, I know they just built an arena, but but they they just need they need such a, a fresh identity change. I just think that you know they, they they've just been a disaster. I don't see how they're they're going to be any better. They're they're like the Knicks of the West. Every year is just a disaster year for them, and it just doesn't get better. It just doesn't get better. Um, last two teams, San Antonio. Um, I wanted to ask you first briefly because again, there I saw some some Twitter discussion. Um, I think uh, DeRozan called Marcus Aldridge a Hall of Fame player. I'm curious what you think about that. Marcus Aldridge was a beast in his prime. Uh, Seven-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA. Pretty impressive. I remember being in biology class in ninth grade and uh, suddenly like seeing my phone buzzing, my, my Windows phone buzzing, because he had like... Um, well, because I didn't really follow the NBA, and then like I remember like getting the, the notification like like rewind. Lamarcus Aldridge scores like I think he scored like forty six in the playoffs, and uh, yeah, he was he was a monster. He really was. And I remember don't don't forget of course that he was like highly courted by the Suns, and then ditched them for San Antonio. Uh, he definitely hasn't been like that over the last few seasons. He had all star team in San Antonio though. Yes, he did, ago. and I I think that he will ultimately make the Hall of Fame. Do I think that? He is a worthy Hall of Fame player. No. But the criteria is so... The, criteria, the bar is low. he probably make it on a, after a few years. He was a very good player, but, you know, Hall of Fame caliber, you know, other people have gotten in the Hall of Fame with less. Yep. So it's definitely possible they can get in. What What is your expectation for San Antonio? Because I, I, I just don't see... Rebuilding. I, not, not much. Yeah. But, you know, there was rumors a couple of years ago that Papa's going to retire. Those rumors have disappeared. So, you know, it appears that Pop is going to be the coach of this team for the net, for, for the long haul. And uh, as long as he's there, you can never count him out. Um, but, you know, I, I they think... They did not that, have a good season last year, though. No, but I, I do think that um, they will be better next year. Uh, I think they'll be good. I think they'll be... Uh, not that they'll be a good team, obviously, but I think they'll be better than they were last year. Lastly... Um, I want to talk about Memphis because um, I think that John Morant is going to take a huge step forward this year. I think that they have a solid court um, in uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. And well, Jay Crowder, he was on. He started the season with the Grizzlies, went to the Heat, and now he's on the Phoenix Suns. Uh, but what is your expectations for Memphis? It'll be a very good team. I think that this team will. Uh, I think this team will be better than the Pelicans. I think. John Moran and Jaron Jackson, that's going to be a duo to be, to be keep your eye on that duo. So again, you said that the Pelicans can make the play-in. I just don't see the Pelicans make it to playoffs, honestly. I'm not, me either. I don't see them even sniffing it. I think they're going to be an 11th seed. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that Memphis could again make the play-in again. Maybe even be just clear 7th or 8th seed. Really depends a lot of the things. John Morant is is he's really really a transcendental talent. I mean he he's gets he's gotten the stamp of approval from plenty of players in the NBA. He had a phenomenal rookie season. He's arguably rookie of the year. He was rookie of the year. Um, he's also one of the best young players in the league. Uh, and uh, you know having that kind of superstar point guard right off the get go. And keep in mind this team basically did make the in a way made the play. They were in the play in uh, last season in the bubble. So I think that. Uh, I, I, again, I would not be surprised to see them make the play-in again at all. I think that of the five that we just listed, Memphis, San Antonio, Sacramento, Minnesota, OKC, I think Memphis easily has the best chance of being a play-in team. Agreed. Um, so, yeah, that's the Western Conference preview. So, last thing I'm going to ask, uh, who do you think, just let's do some NBA talk, who do you think is going to be the MVP this year? 
Luka Doncic. And who do you think is going to win the finals? The Lakers. Yeah. Uh, my MVP pick is Kevin Durant, uh, just because I think that the story is there. Uh, and Kevin Durant looks phenomenal, and I just don't think he's going to be resting too much. I think he's going to be playing a lot of the games next season. And uh, I think that would be pretty cool for the Nets to have a MVP caliber season from somebody. Rookie of the year? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I just really don't know enough about the, the Rookie of the Year class. Um, yeah, I, I'll just be honest with you. I really don't know enough. But I'm honestly, I'm inclined to say Danny Avdia because uh, I think that, you know, if you look at where the top three picks went, um, they're not going to have a lot of success off the get-go. Like you said, James Wiseman is a project. Anthony Edwards, I think, um, I think he will have a very good season, but I just don't see Minnesota making any noise. Um, I think also Obi Toppin could be there too, because I, I think the Knicks, like I said, I think they will be better than people expect. But Danny Avdia, uh, he looks NBA ready. I watched him play. He matched up against Kevin Durant. Yes, it was a preseason game, but he looked really good. Uh, and I think that he's also on a team where he's going to get a ton of playing time. He may even start right off the get-go. Um, and I just think it would be really cool for him to win. Uh, and I know that people, a lot of people compare him to Luka in the sense that, you know, they're both like foreign-born players who played in like a higher level league than college. Because, you know, of course, the European leagues, Israeli league, Euro league, even the Australian league are just better um, than the NCAA level. But he, he looks like he doesn't won't need to adjust to the speed. He, he needs to work on his shooting, but, you know, that may not be as much of an issue uh, given the kinds of offenses that people run. So I'm going to go with Denny. I also think, you know, LaMelo and Cole Anthony uh, are fascinating too. Cole Anthony on the Magic, we didn't even talk about that. But, you know, he's he's fascinating. Uh, and LaMelo, he has the same thing with Lonzo. I've seen these preseason games with him, seeing the highlights. I mean, uh, scoring like four points, but getting just like these insane passes. And he has the oomph factor. So I hope he doesn't have the same issue with Lonzo of kind of getting together the fundamentals because he de he definitely has a star he definitely has a star power potential um so yeah i'm gonna go with denny for rookie of the year who's your rookie of the year i think it's gonna be denny avdia too a little biased obviously but he looked really good obi topping i think obi topping would probably be my number two pick i also think he I, passes the eye yeah. test I'm not going to sleep on Cole Anthony also to me passes the eye test as well. I think he looks really good. He's been playing very, very well with the Magic. Um, but again, it really also depends on the playoffs at the end of the day. Um, these days, I think that actually is a factor in a way it wasn't before. Um, because these days, rookies are not as... Um, they're just not making the same kind of splash that they used to. Uh, like right off the bat. I think that the, like it's you, you see that really... The, with exception of like Luka, I think Luka was the first player to average like over... 20 points in a season uh, or like 25 points per game in a very long time as a rookie. Uh, so I think it really is going to depend on a lot of factors. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for Denny anyway. So yeah, thank you for listening to the Gangbox podcast. Uh, hope you enjoy the season. We'll be back next week to discuss, you know, the, the opening games, you know, what we thought. And I uh, hope you guys are all staying safe. Hope you guys are all staying healthy. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Peace.